Good day to you, ladies and gents. Welcome back to the Moyes Health Podcast and welcome to episode 88. Now, I promised you that we were going to take a little diversion from the fitnessy, diety talk this particular week and we were going to delve into another story time episode. And that's exactly the plan for today. As you can probably tell from the title, Here's a really random episode about my past, which I'm going to try and weave into some kind of life lesson. Although I'm going to be honest with you, this one is going to be difficult to do that because it's simply just a story from the past. Um, But fuck it. You know what? I haven't got any notes in front of me. I'm doing this all from memory. We're going to see how this one goes. So if this is not your thing, feel free to skip ahead to episode 89. But for now... Hopefully you enjoy my recollection and, I guess, memoirs of a time back in 2014, 2015, when I was sort of on the X Factor. I was on it, but not in terms of a live broadcast or whatever. You'll soon see what I mean, and I can imagine that probably come the end of this episode, some of you will be screaming at me in terms of the decisions that I made. But you know what? Let's dig into it anyway and give you guys some context with regards to the story itself. And obviously, in the process of doing so, if you enjoy these episodes, do make sure you give me a review. Jump onto Apple Podcasts, leave a review and a rating. Jump onto Spotify, leave a rating. Or, of course, if you simply just enjoy the episodes, drop me an Instagram message and just let me know which is your favorite and why. At Chris Moyes on Instagram would always be a pleasure to hear from you guys. Anyways, introduction done. Let's get into it. Okay, so here we go. Let's give you some background, some context. I loved music growing up. Me and my friends all did. Massive fans of Blink-182, Green Day, Nirvana. And we loved not just the kind of camaraderie that they'd have on stage, but we also loved kind of all the background stuff as well. In fact, we were addicted to watching the Urethra Chronicles DVDs, which were Blink-182's kind of behind-the-scenes tour videos, and we just would watch them over and over and over again. And literally, we just were in awe and went, yeah, let's start a band. So me... My friend James and Gav all decided, yep, we're going to go for a band. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to live the dream. We're going to do it. So we decided upon Gav was going to play drums. I was going to play bass and sing, uh, lead vocals. And James was going to do backing vocals and play guitar. After much deliberation, because there was a lot more talking than there was actual action, we decided that James and I would swap. So I would still stay on lead vocals, but I'd be guitarist instead, and James would go to bassist and backing vocals, and Gav would stay on drums. So during this time, we're all kind of accumulating our equipment from Friday ad uh, listings and from our local music shop, Mike's Music. We're all picking up our little bits and pieces, etc., and we begin kind of practicing together. Now, a lot of the time that wasn't with drums um, because we hadn't got them yet. So James and I spent a lot more time practicing together than we did as a trio. Um, We did eventually end up doing a couple of house parties together too. Just me and James singing covers, which was fun. Very indie, if you will. And then Gav eventually got his drums. And luckily at the time, my granddad managed a lot of warehouses over in Littlehampton. So he had a vacant one. So we were just able to set up the drums over there. And so we're in a position where we could go in and practice. Although, funnily enough, to get there, we had to ride our bikes down a very, very sketchy 60-mile-an-hour road to get there. Now, if you live local, this was before the cycle path was built. 
okay? And we were there literally riding one-handed with the other hand having a guitar in it. It was sketchy as fuck, but for some reason, you're fearless at that age. And I must preface this, by the way, that a lot of this happened back in 2003, 2005, etc. Um, so forgive me, I re have re-recorded an element of this. So if I've mentioned 2014, 2015, etc., then I'm wrong. I mean 2004, 2005. So anyways, we get down there, we're practicing, but most of the time we're just kind of embracing acting like idiots and just being young. It's all good fun. We don't really actually even get to the point where I believe that we even learned a single song together or finished a, a single song. Not to mention, we didn't really have the kit. I had the tiniest iPad size guitar amp, which I was running not only my guitar through, but also my vocals. Uh, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. But you know what? Lots of lessons learned, lots of fun had. We eventually got to the point where we went, you know what, I think, you know, this just, you know, we're gonna have to grow up and just do our own thing. So the band just naturally disbanded. And at that point, I had literally just picked up a 200 pound PA system um, off of Friday ad, as well as a new guitar yet yeah, just bought these things got a new amp as well, all of the kit that we actually needed. But we we're then at that point going, you know what, no, it's kind of it's it's too late now. Um, so at that point, there was kind of a conundrum. Do I just sell all this stuff that I've literally just bought or do I chop in the electric guitar for an acoustic guitar and go solo? I'd already really enjoyed kind of spending a lot of time practicing on my own, but learning different songs, more mainstream songs. And so I went, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go solo and just have some fun with it. So I did. Went to Mike's Music, chopped in the electric guitar and swapped it for an acoustic and begun just practicing recording and just enjoying just singing covers at which point i got the camera out and started recording myself singing those covers and so if you want to see that and you want to see some very very awkward engagement with a camera and a very very young me with plenty of hair and no tattoos then by all means chuck chris moy's covers or even just chris moy's into youtube and there is a lot of videos during this time as well, it was kind of the YouTube boom in about 2004, 2005. And it was where kind of people could find your videos a lot easier. So my video views, as you'll see from some of the ones, like when you say nothing at all, etc., they went through the freaking roof. Um, and I ended up, I think, on about 18 or 19,000 subscribers, of which I still think are subscribed to the channel. Uh, so it was fun. It was really fun. The feedback was awesome. So much so to the point where a young and at the time unfamous Justin Bieber commented on one of my videos. It was Neo's So Sick and said, oh, you know, great job. And uh, yeah, and then obviously, well, we know what happened to him. So it was funny, funny, funny time on YouTube, but one I really enjoyed. I'd upload multiple times in the week. And it was through doing all of that, and really enjoying the process of just making music that I thought, you know what, this TV show x Facts is quite popular. I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to audition. So I did in 2004 and filled out the application form, got a letter back saying congratulations, we'd like you to audition. So at that point, I went up to Emirates Stadium in London and auditioned in front of the x Factor producers which was the most nerve-wracking thing ever because at that time you weren't allowed instruments, by the way. It was all just a cappella vocals. After a long wait, they didn't select me to go through to the next round. Um, 
But I love the day. It was great fun. Being in the holding room was brilliant. Loads of cool people, loads of great voices, great talent. It was just a really fun day and a great experience. Didn't think much of it. Just thought, you know, I'm just going to go back and just, you know, carry on recording music. I'm doing this for the fun of it anyway, so fuck it. Why not? It was during that time as well that my brother had a friend. And I don't know if he'll be happy for me to use his name. I'm going to be careful, so I'm going to call him Steve. And Steve was my brother's good friend who also played guitar and had done a couple of gigs in the area. And so we got together, hit it off straight away, and just really kind of enjoyed spending time together, playing music, and kind of working as a duo. We even started our own open mic together in the area, inviting other people to come up and sing and play. It was great. So much fun. It was just completely auxiliary to what we were doing day to day. So there was no pressure. There was no kind of financial behind it you know i enjoyed doing gigs around the area as well solo um i did some amazing gigs some charity gigs uh my favorite one to be fair was i was invited to play brick car the brick car 24 hour at silverstone so i was able to um to go up and combine my love of music with motorsport it was absolutely epic and still to this day remains one of my best memories of this time there was weddings as well. There was birthdays. I was getting quite a few bookings and it was great. I was, you know, getting paid to do what I loved and it wasn't like a job. It was just extra money, which was awesome. I was, I couldn't believe how much I could make from just literally standing up and singing. It was so much fun. Um, and we were also getting paid for the open mics as well. It was literally the perfect storm. Do what you love, get paid for it. Now, I hadn't realised until speaking to him that Steve had also auditioned for X Factor back in 2004. And same thing, hadn't got anywhere. So through conversations and spending a lot more time singing and playing together, we decided, you know what, fuck it, let's, let's try it together. Let's have a laugh. It's a fun day anyway. If we don't get anywhere, we don't get anywhere. So once again, we auditioned, this time as a duo. Well, applied and then auditioned in front of the producers as a duo. Went up again to Emirates Stadium. And just, again, the most amazing day. And because there were the two of us and the holding room was set up differently, and this time you were allowed instruments, we ended up doing like a gig to a thousand people in the holding room because everybody just went quiet because we were the loudest ones in there just singing and playing guitar because weirdly enough, there was no other guitarists. Like I said, it was very early on and into the the whole kind of you're allowed instruments. And so... We were singing, they were singing. It was such a fun day. Um, still got plenty of pictures of it, to be fair, as well. Great fun. And so after the producer round, they said, congratulations, you're through to the next round. Um, and so forgive me, my, my memory is sketchy here. I can't remember if we then had to go home and then go back again or if it was on the same day. I believe it was on the same day that the celebrities were there. And so Steve and I then had to go up in front of the four celebrities. Now, there was a one-off season where there was some kind of aggro with Louis on the X Factor. And so we had the season when it was Brian Friedman, Danny Minogue, Sharon Osbourne, and Simon Cowell. And so we then get called up to go, right, it's your turn. Um, And so you walk into the studio, which is all lit and everything, and there are these four celebrities sat in front of you on the desk that you see. And uh, Steve and I had already agreed that let's be polite and let's, you know, make the most of an opportunity. So let's walk in and shake hands with them first. 
So we walked in, and before we kind of stood on the X, as you were supposed to do, we went up and we shook Brian's hand um, and Danny's and Sharon's. Um, in fact, forget me if I'm wrong, I think we gave him a kiss, but I'm not sure. And then obviously shook Simon Cowell's hand as well. And so after the whole kind of, you know, why you're here, what you want to achieve, etc., we began to perform. Uh, it was a cappella again, no instruments, and we performed She Will Be Loved by Maroon 5. And a little way into it, Simon did his thing and he put his hand up and stopped us. And they basically turned around and said that they didn't like us as a duo. Um, but they said, would I mind performing a song by myself? So at this point, I was totally taken aback by this, especially what had happened the year before of not getting very far and thinking, oh, hang on a second, you know, we've come as a duo and now you want me to sing solo. But obviously I was young, impressionable. And so I looked at Steve and I said, look, do you mind? Because it was really, really awkward. Obviously, as I'm sure you can imagine. And he was like, no, 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 mate, go for it, go for it. So I then decided to sing Wherever You Will Go by The Calling um, because they were kind of like my favourite band at the time, was doing loads of their covers on YouTube. And I sang it and they went, right, as a duo, it's a no from us. They said, but with you as an individual, they worked their way through and they said, we really like your voice. Brian did a lot of the talking, um, as did Sharon. Both really, really nice. Danny was quite curt, but then you never quite know how they are in terms of personality for camera, etc. And so what ended up happening, I cannot remember how many yeses I got. I believe it was four. Um, and again, that's not me plucking it out of the sky. I'm damn sure I didn't get a no. But they said they didn't want to send us through as a, as a duo. They wanted to send us through solo. So they put me through. Uh, and at that stage, when you got through that stage, it was boot camp. Um, and so I then came out of the... Or we, sorry, then came out of the audition. I was feeling weird because friendship was important to me. And it it didn't sit well with me. And so we walk out into the corridor and they said, right, we need a reaction from you. You know, you got through the boot camp. You're meant to be excited. And I was really conflicted at this point. And I had to do a piece to camera about three times because they said, we want you to just run up to the camera and go, I'm through the boot camp. And I just couldn't act it. And so, like I said, they kept asking me to do it. And my mind was really, really conflicted because I felt awful for Steve because like there we were doing it as a duo it's never nice to have a lot of people say we don't like your voice but we do like your friends um and as much as it was really cool for me like i said my loyalties lie with him so we tried our best to do, well, to do this piece to camera um and then while we went back into the holding room and they said look you know here's here's a, a contract that you need to sign to go through to the next uh phase now, my head was all over the place. Adrenaline couldn't concentrate. So I asked Steve to have a look through the contract. And part of it was basically signing away every song, piece of thing you've ever written. Now, my songs were worthless. And at the time, I valued them much more than I should have done. Because the one of the things that put me off was the contract said that we will own everything you've ever written. So... Chances are there's some songs that have come out in the charts that you may very well have heard, which have come from people that have auditioned for X Factor. But anyway, I digress. That put me off anyway. The whole, you know, 
we're going to own everything you've ever written, even though I wasn't exactly writing stuff that was actually any good. It also, like I said, the biggest thing was Steve. Um, was just his kind of, you know, the loyalty to him. And so I was leaning on the fence of going, no, you know, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through to boot camp. Um, maybe there was a bit of underlying fear as well. But looking back, and at the time, the biggest thing was the loyalty. And so during kind of all of this, he then kind of gets pulled off to go and speak to, um, in the big kind of brightly white box as someone that they don't want. Um, and so he gave quite a curt review of them and I believe he actually ended up on the show they also said to us um right you know what is it you're going to do are you guys going to separate and are you going to kind of you know fly solo so I then went and found the producer and I said look I this is not for me um I don't want to do this I said we auditioned as a duo we're going to leave together as a duo um and like I said this was turning down boot camp for fuck's sake uh looking back now you know, my songs weren't worth anything. Steve was really, really supportive. Um, and so I should. I should have gone for it and just gone, you know what? Fuck it. But I guess maybe, like I said, there was an element of fear there. Knowing that we were together was like a comfort blanket. And then, like I said, the loyalty to him as well. Looking back in hindsight, probably the same way you guys are thinking. Should have gone for it. Um, but again, these are these are the things that we, we learn as over the years. What if? And so I spoke to the producer and I said, no, it's not, um, it's not for me. And they said, okay, cool. You're like the first person ever to turn this down. Um, can we do some more pieces to camera? So we did an interview to explain why I didn't want to go through with it and the friendship was more important. Again, they prompt you a couple of bits to say. And they also then wanted to film us kind of walking out together solemnly um, to kind of use in the main show. Sadly, none of that ever made it to to camera um you know producers editors pick and choose what they want to use that footage is out there uh somewhere in the x factor archives uh like i said steve's bit that he did in the white kind of room or the white box um ended up on the show but nothing with regards to myself ended up on there which is a shame but you know what it is what it is it was about the experience and so that was um that was my time on x factor didn't audition for it again because obviously I'd auditioned for it, got to that stage, didn't want to go any further. So it was very much a case of, nah, I'm good. I genuinely don't believe I would have got much further anyway, looking back now. You know, the, the people that ended up winning it um, and the people that ended up just being even on the live shows were just far superior to me. And that's not playing myself down. Like, I would have needed, like, proper vocal coaching. And who knows? Who knows? You know, I had a good voice, but not a great voice. So, well, judge for yourself. Go on YouTube. And, uh... Yeah, like I said, came back, started just doing the gigs again, just enjoying music, just without the pressure. Um, and then as as what happens, you, you get older and life has to move on. Um, and I moved out, moved into a property where the walls were really thin. So I felt self-conscious every time I kind of sung and played guitar. Um, tried my best to keep the YouTube videos, etc. going. But just because of, I guess, always feeling I was far too considerate growing up. And just always feeling like I was pissing the neighbours because I sing really loud. I project quite well. I just always felt guilty. Um, and that gnaws away at you to the point where you just stop doing it. So I still have the guitar. It's it's still 
nearby to me. I still remember how to play. I don't sing too often these days, but it was a great experience and a great time in my life and one which, aside from perhaps going, yeah, you know what, fuck it, let's give boot camp a go, it's one that I wouldn't change. Some great memories, some great experiences, um, and something, obviously, that I wanted to share, not really from any kind of lessons, I guess, although perhaps, you know, now I've said all of this, the lesson would be seize an opportunity but then I've always said trust your gut and at the time my gut was saying to me no this isn't the right thing so who knows who knows how things could have gone um it was like I said it was a funny old time I was young I was impressionable I'm not long left school I graduated in 2004 so this was literally the year after I was 17 18 so I didn't know what the fuck I was doing but like I said I continued years afterwards of singing playing guitar doing the gigs and did it for years, you know, did some more kind of big gigs as far as I was concerned. Um, and I really enjoyed doing it. And it was only up until kind of relatively, I'm going to say relatively recently, but in actual fact, the last proper gig that I did was well over 10 years ago now. But it feels recent. I don't feel as old as I am. But it was, like I said, a great time. And so I guess the lesson that I should give you guys from this would be just enjoy every experience whether it's in part a regretful one they're all things that have shaped you and made you who you are and i wouldn't necessarily change it um i was proud of myself for sticking by my friend because that was the primary reason um it was you know you didn't want me in 2004 but in 2005 when we auditioned together suddenly you want to split us up um but obviously like i said with a an older mind now and wiser I understand why that was we may not have even got on the fucking radar it was different producers after all and they're the ones that open the door close the door to getting through to the celebrities and you know not to mention there was different celebrities the year afterwards because louis was back different producers they want different things and it's a tv show it's entertainment isn't it but it's a cool experience it's a cool memory um and to be fair, if you've just found this podcast because you've been notified, when I put up the pictures of um, the podcast itself to say it's it's gone live, I'm going to put up a couple of pictures of me in the holding room singing and playing guitar with my fresh-faced and full head of hair. It was fun. It was fun. Uh, so, there we go. Story time done. My time on X Factor. Uh, probably an irrelevant use of 22 and a half minutes, but I hope you've enjoyed it. And I hope it's been something which has just entertained you while you've been out and about. Normal service resumes on the next podcast as we near and close in on the 100 mark, a century of podcasts. But as always, just want to say a big thank you to you all for listening. Um, and of course, a reminder to accept the things of which you cannot change. I turned down boot camp, can't change it now, and probably wouldn't have got much further than that if I'm completely honest, judging by the talent I was up against. Uh, to, like I said, accept the things you cannot change, have the courage to change the things you can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I hope you've enjoyed it. I will see you on the next one, folks. Toodles. <laughs>